I met a man He was a good man Sailing and shoring Dancing the beta can-can Making the foreign Ah, oh, yeah Hey, welcome. This is episode six of I Hate L.A., Today, we talked to William Ray, a California painter who studied at the Art Students League of New York. He has a background as a cartoonist, most notably as a contributor to Ren and Snippy. In this episode, William discusses how he found his way as a contemporary painter today while working in a loose style that incorporates abstraction, a vivid palette. We talk about genre-bending art and how a diverse look at fine art oil painting serves everyone best in curating a show. Last but not least, we do touch on those awesome Obama portraits and what they mean to contemporary art. William and I, um, along with Danny McCaw, we're opening up a show at Sue Greenwood Fine Art in Laguna Beach uh, this coming March 1st, 6 to 9 p.m. That's first Thursdays if you've never been down. It's a great opportunity to visit all the galleries down in Laguna Beach that night. Um, it's festive. It's busy. You know, we'll be there. So come down and say hi. Without further ado, this is William Ray. Well, this is I Hate LA. This is my my podcast devoted to um, artists residing here in LA and kind of our experiences here and 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 uh, you know basically just kind of like how it's going <laughs> for all of us. And uh, we have a show coming up. Uh, March 1st at Sue Greenwood, and I thought this was just an opportune time to give you a call and uh, chat a little bit. And um, I, I know you're not originally from L.A. via Wikipedia here. You're from Maryland, I see. But uh, how long have you been in the L.A. area? Well, the Maryland thing is kind of misleading because <laughs> I was born there and then just traveled the world after that. Uh, I was an army brat. So. Oh, wow. I would say the majority of my, my life was spent growing up in Orange County. So ah. I am kind of a California boy. Where? Where in Orange County? Uh, Costa Mesa at first, and then we we moved on up to Newport Beach. That was my mom's big dream. Nice. Yeah, no, I, you know I grew she, up in Irvine. She worked my, yeah, she worked, she worked my dad until she got that Newport Beach address. She's still there. And the funny thing is, it's it's the other side of the street is Costa Mesa. But yeah. that's close enough for her. As long yeah. as it says it, the, yeah. as long as it says it on the address, she's good. No, I, I I hear you, and and I don't know how much you want to get into your your background, but um, as far as your journey, I know you studied in New York, and and uh, I know you've been around in the LA LA area for a while. But did you have any kind of formal college uh, before any of that, or? When I was a kid, I wanted to go to art center school. My parents told me, uh, go get a bachelor's first at Orange Coast College. Right. Um, so it wasn't much of a change. It was just across the street from Costa Mesa High where I went. But the 70s were, were right in the middle of uh, the true destruction of, uh, of technical-based art, yeah. traditionally-based art. And all my teachers were growing their hair out fucking students and <laughs> refusing to teach. I mean, it was just, they would just say, put a TV in a sandbox. That's all you have to do. Well, you can draw. Well, I can draw, but it doesn't matter anymore. Right. 
So I just went and I just became an assistant to professional cartoonists because I thought that's what I wanted to do is either be a cartoonist or a painter. Yeah, I want to I, I want to get back to that. I really want to get into that. But I, I think I had a, a similar experience, not quite as dramatic with with the fucking of the, right. the students and everything. But, you know, before yeah. the Internet, um, you know, I just was exposed to kind of like the 20th century superstars, Picasso and you know, people like that, uh, Warhol, I guess. But I, I didn't really know that you could be a oil painter, like a, like a fine artist. And, and when I started art school in 1998, it was like, okay, well, illustration has kind of died and everybody is kind of painting landscapes now, or this is sort of coming back a bit, maybe not the way it is now, certainly, but, you know, and, and not until I was in school and I saw painters painting representationally where I was like, oh, okay, you know, I knew about skateboard art, I knew about graffiti art, I knew about a lot of pop art, but I didn't really know about like contemporary fine art. And um, of course now with the internet, I mean, you get to get a pretty quick privy on what's going on pretty pretty quick. Um, it, It sounds like you had a similar experience where not until you were in a setting with you know, um, certain people of the same ilk, did you even know what was possible? Well, I, I just knew that I wanted to get really, really good at drawing and painting. Yeah. My heroes basically were illustrators, I suppose, you know, like J.C. Leindecker and, and yeah. N.C. Wyatt. Yeah. But I liked fine art too, but, but I just said I, need to, I, I knew that I needed the foundation. And since OCC wouldn't give it to me, right. and I couldn't afford to go straight to Art Center because I had failed, you know, at, at getting my bachelor's, I just went to New York and went to the Art Students League where I could afford the classes. Oh wow! And um, the whole time I was there, I got the education that going there was pointless. Yet, yet again, it was just no matter where you, because because as you say, graffiti was big, and you know it was the rise of Keith Haring. I would see his stuff on the subways every day and curse at a mm-hmm. blue streak, you know, and. and <laughs> I wish I'd kept the original, but I saw him every day going to school. Um, wow. But anyway, yeah, I just, and, I, and, I, and the only people who were really teaching the, at the Art Students League, they were illustra- who were teaching what I wanted were illustrators. So I took a guy named Jack Ferragasso who taught the Riley Method, which is a very laborious way to, to mix paint, but it, it teaches you a lot. And I just started working in comics because I didn't see where I could fit into the fine art world. And I was living in the heart of it. I was right down in Soho on West Broadway in Prince. I'd been lucky enough to rent a, a wow. corner of a loft for a super low price because the the owner of the loft felt sorry for students. Oh, wow. And so as long as I was a student, he would give me a discounted rate to, to, to uh, rent there. Oh, wow. But I, w- I, I ended up doing comic books because they paid. And yeah. I had to make a living. And I wasn't going to wait tables, you know, or, or I wasn't good enough to teach. So that's what I did. And so I what, had to put the fine art in wow. the back pocket. So what was your first job in comic books? Uh, I was kind of a comic book, not kind of, I was a comic book inker. And that's the guy uh. who takes a brush with ink and traces the pencil lines. Comic books are factory, usually. Sometimes they have comic book artists who write, draw, and ink and color the work. But most of the time it's broken up into four different divisions because mm-hmm. 
monthly comic books are so hard to draw. You have to have a team of people doing it. So I was always able to have great control of the brush and a clean line. So I was able to make a living doing that. I had a good sense of color uh, naturally, and I had it trained now. So I did coloring, and I did really well with that. Um, at that time was when comics were first doing fully painted projects. And there weren't a whole lot of people around who could do it. So I kept really busy. And then the Ren and Stimpy show came along. Right. And that, that was a old friend of mine. And we had tried to sell that show for years. It never went anywhere. And he goes, well, I sold it. Come back to California. So I came back to California, worked on that, and banged around the animation business. When that wasn't going well for me, I would jump back into comics. I always had fine art in the back of my mind, but I didn't see where I could fit in. And then I noticed the plain air movement. Right. And I thought, oh, this is representational. Right. I think, and I was like, I think landscapes are kind of boring, but I'll try this. And then I found out how hard they were to do. So I took a class with Ray Roberts and just got into doing that and did what you, you've done, I'm sure, and, and everybody's done in that world or some tangentially related thing to it. You know, join, to do the contest, try to get into the right. little galleries that took plain air and all that. And that kind of built my career. And then I'm still doing landscapes and stuff like that, but I've pushed it much more toward an abstract thing and, and tried to get into more, a little a bit away from the traditional plain air movement. Yeah. Because um, I, uh, I think it's a bit limiting. Yeah, I've noticed, and, and I'm in love with them, and... Of course, we have very we have similar subject matter um, in the representational world. Um, we see LA, especially in in a similar lens. Um, my abstract work is still somewhat separate. Um, I like to do both bodies of work simultaneously. I have my 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 goal is to merge. You seem to do a nice job merging um the subject matter and and some are much more abstracted than others um working uh really with a very evocative palette and and using a lot of the same compositional elements some just seem to kind of dissipate and and sort of blend into pure abstraction it seems quite effortlessly um that must be a very satisfying journey for you um as a painter, I could only, you know, express how satisfying that is for me to go into the studio and just work with the biggest brushes you have and just squint your eyes and loosen up. And and it's there's something so freeing about that. It's also so challenging because you need to have you need to be you need to have the sophistication in your hand in order to to break the rules and, and blend the rules and and not get caught up in, in details and not go for that tiny brush. Um, you see yourself going even further or like as far as scale or or materials or what like what what's on the horizon? Well, I I've been painting bigger yeah. and I'm continuing to go along those lines. I'm still basically doing what I've always done to teach myself abstraction, which is I started out by just taking an old landscape mm-hmm. that I didn't like. And I thought, what'll happen if I just start taking stuff out? And so my earliest abstracted pieces were just basically simplifying a finished painting. And that taught me right. a lot. 
And sometimes I still do that. I'll have an, an old painting I don't like anymore, and I'll just start sub, uh, subtracting from it, shall we say. Deconstructing it might be a better way to put it. But now I can also just go straight to a fresh blank canvas and just do one. Mm. But the simpler I go, actually I find it very difficult. Yeah. Because simple abstraction gives you less choices of things to do, and it puts you in a category of repeating what's already been done. Right. So um, that's always a work in progress. Kind of like the atmospheric low horizon or high horizon sort of abstracted landscape that my biggest challenge is, okay, is this decorative? You know, does this belong at like, you know, Aaron Brothers or is this... is is this art? Is this fine art? Is this ab- is this abstract art? I, I don't know. All, all I can do is just keep doing it. And um, I've experimented a little bit with paint sticks lately. Um, you know, those big chunky oil bars. Those have freed me up even yeah. more. And they're just so darn expensive. I treat myself maybe once every month or two. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and then surfaces always sort of play with me a little bit. Like if I get a big piece of wood, that tends to inform the piece a little bit differently. Um, or linen or the just the raw canvas or so on and so forth. So I always kind of think that's kind of important. Um I was talking to America Martin. Um, she was on a uh, two episodes ago, and she's just really into three dimensional sculpture now. Just just taking it into a different dimension, and it's informing her work. And you know, it just never stops. I think that's what I like best about being a being an artist is that we could just kind of keep doing it. You know, we could. There's always there's always room. There's always room for improvement. There's always room to keep going. So. I don't know if you feel the same or if you sometimes get just tired, but um, I don't know. It's what kind no, of. I've, I've, only, I've only stayed interested in it because I have to evolve. Yeah. You know, it has, it has to be something new and it has to be a challenge. It has to be hard. I can't, uh, I wouldn't be happy right now if I was still repeating, let's say, the same fairly realistic landscapes that I started with. Right. If I was just, I'm like, Knock Maybe technically slightly better, but but just kind sure. of doing the same thing in the same subject. So I have to jump around, yeah, to keep myself interested. Yeah, I think we have that. I need to, I need to like quit doing figurative for a little while, so when I come back to it, I'm rusty and have to relearn it. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's, it's sort of like how that works. Well, that brings me to um, your your body of work where you focused on superheroes. Um, they're they're just so fun. They're um, they're obviously they're just so LA to me the Hollywood Boulevard kind of uh, those dudes that hang out there and I watched a short video uh, that you put together uh, of of your process and I mean those speak to people on so many different levels the uh, the honesty of the subject matter they're they're sort of the antithesis of what we see in these superhero movies. Uh, there's these, they're the guys that are trying to make a buck on the boulevard, you know, catering to these tourists. And it just, it also, it, it just brings a lot of light to your personality and, and kind of your dark sense of humor. And are you still working on those? And, and is that some of your favorite work that you've done? Uh, yeah, I like all of it. Uh, um, but those are, those to me, you were asking what's decorative and what's not. And all right. That. And, and I, for me, I don't think it. I don't think I can get around that my abstract and semi-abstract work 
it's decorative. I'm just going to say it is. I, right. I try not to make it cheesy. I try to make it as beautiful. But when you, when, as soon as I even say the word beautiful, people will say, okay, categorize that and decorative. Yeah. You know, so you kind of can't win. So there's no point in beating your head against the wall. You do work you like. You do the best you can. And if somebody calls it decorative, you say, great. You want to buy it? You know, it's like. Yeah. It's going to look and, in your house. And yeah. It's got kind of, and, and, and so I, that's kind of how I categorize it. And I don't think of the superheroes as decorative at all. Right. It's a, it's, it's an original idea in the sense that it's nobody was doing the Hollywood heroes in an illustrative style like sure. I'm doing. Um, there was one, there's one guy somewhere who was kind of doing these realistic paintings of superheroes that are like really old, like uh, basically yeah. using this one old model. And, and, and I think we were parallel developing the idea. Yeah. But I always, I always wanted to do something with superheroes because that's where my background's from in comic books. Right. But I didn't see how I could do it. So um, one well, day it hit me when it, I was on Hollywood Boulevard that I could paint these guys instead of trying to do a comic book cover. You know? So. I just, they're, they're cool. I mean, they're so cool. They're, you to me, they are beautiful. Um, in a, yeah, they're obviously more editorial, more illustration based, but they're they're beautiful paintings because they speak to. Um, not only are they painted well and the colors are interesting and the mood is great, but they're they're just well executed and um, I, you know, it, taste level I guess is different than than just aesthetic beauty and all that. But as far as just painting is concerned, they're they're stunning. You know, so. Um, I just love them. <laughs> they're, they're just the, do you show them anywhere? I know, um, I know they won't be in our, our current show that's coming up next month, but do you, uh, is there anywhere anybody can see I them? I don't show them with Sue Greenwood, mm-hmm. but I occasionally will have them at, um, my gallery in Cambria, the vault gallery. Yeah. Yeah. And I also have some at my, my gallery up in Los Gatos, um, Whitney modern. Okay. And uh, so they both have them. And, oh, cool. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Cool. I, 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 I've, sold that, I've sold them privately as well. Right. Uh, and then that show, that, that group show I did a couple months ago called Pink. Yeah, that I was had, fun. Drew and I had, came down I had, and I, we saw you. Yeah. That was great. Great that, curating that all was that. The biggest, that was the biggest superhero one I'd done, and I have yeah. another one on, uh, on the canvas now that's pretty big too, about six feet high. So the pink show you curated, correct? And that that just must have been such an undertaking. How did you come up with the idea? And then how did you get the space? And is that something you want to keep doing? And it seems like a great experience. Well, the space is, is controlled by the Castelli uh, framing gallery there. Right. And my, 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 my partner, shall we say, he's not really my partner, but my, my, my co-curator, might be a better way to put it. Uh-huh. Um, um, offered me the space, um, Carlos Iglesias, um, and he wanted me to do a full-on show. Mm-hmm. He says, "Well, what we're trying to do is we have this space and we rent it out, but we're trying to get people to know about it, and we like your work, and um, we'll work a special deal with you." And I said, "Well, that sounds great, but..." I don't know if I have the confidence to do a solo show in a, in a brand new venue. Uh, and, um, so I, 
basically said, what about a group show? Yeah. And it's like, okay. And then I threw out the name Pink. It was a concept that I had had for a little while of just doing a group show. I wanted to have it cohesive without it being like, a lot of these group shows have a theme. I hate themed shows. So how can I, yeah. how can I do a theme without it being a theme? And I figured a color would give the artists enough latitude. Yeah. Because I also wasn't saying how they had to use it. You know, they could use, they could put one inch, a one inch mark on a giant canvas with a little tiny bit of pink. Or they well, could do a black black painting and write pink on it. Or whatever. <laughs> well, luckily you curated it better than that. And, and everybody showed up with some incredible pieces and the turnout was great. Um, yeah. Well, everyone took it seriously. Yeah, it was a dynamic show, and and what I liked best about it is that it didn't it blurred the lines of genre, which I think is really important nowadays with with Instagram and everything. Is that people are exposed to art, as I was mentioning earlier, and so I think it used to be a lot. It, well, it's a little easier for a gallery to have a narrow focus, but we don't really have narrow focuses anymore because we're exposed to the work. And and most people that I know have kind of a diverse appreciation across the board of different genres and, and artists with different backgrounds. So it, it was great because it was one of the first curated shows I've seen that really embraced that idea. You know, everybody from uh, traditional oil, oil painters to, you know, Shepard Fairey to, and, and, and kind of everybody in between. So, um, Everybody, but everybody kind of seemed like they were on the same level. Like everybody kind of just seemed like they were, you know, just doing work from the heart. And um, so, bravo to that. That was really cool. I, do you agree with sort of the genre bending? And was that the well, intention? I, I, hadn't, I hadn't stated. I hadn't stated it flat out, but that was absolutely the the intention because the my big beef, as I, I was talking about earlier, when I struggled through school, just trying mm-hmm. to get traditional education so I could decide how much I wanted to distort it or use it. Um, I, I, I came to understand the contemporary art world, I think fairly completely mm-hmm. and I accept how it is, but I think it's rife with kind of unfounded prejudices that are holdovers from those days where everyone just thought traditional painting was dead and it, it had yeah. to be destroyed and it had to stay dead. Yeah. And there were levels of extremes about, really kind of being prejudiced against traditional art. And the thing is, is that I just had a big debate over the whole, the, the, the portraits that were just done of the Obamas. And I, I love them. Um, right. I, I don't think it's the absolute best work by the artists. If you look at, look at their over, but, but you, you, every, a lot of people, a lot of people are saying it should have been the same old traditional stuff. <laughs> you need to judge by skill I'm, level and all that. And uh, I would have been that person 10 years ago. I would right. have been that. Well, I'm and so glad you like, brought it, that up because it's just been such a week for for art because I've never seen this many people talk about not uh, f- fine art, fine art portraiture, contemporary art um, the way they have this week. And yeah. yeah, I'm not sure the typical Midwest mom and dad knew who Kahindi Wiley was before this week. And, you know, I just think it's fabulous that people are being exposed to it. And uh, certainly that was the Obama's intention. And I love that they worked collaboratively with the artists. And, you know, I wasn't familiar with Amy Sherald's work, really. I um, 
But I've come to really appreciate it, how she painted those skin tones that kind of mimic old photographs, especially old photographs of the African-American experience. And um, to see those hanging in the National Portrait Gallery, um, it's just, it's, it's something. It's really something. You could critique the composition of both of those paintings, which my first, first reaction, especially to uh, Barack Obama's background, was a, a bit jarring. But um, if you look at his body of work, as you just mentioned, you know, that is indicative of a style. And then if you read into it a little bit, the the flowers uh, that have the the Kenyan and the Chicagoan roots, as well as um, the... W- w- the Hawaiian yeah, aspect of those flowers. It just talked about his experience. And then even having him seated with the shirt open, um, it's like he was bringing you in a little bit. If you look at every other presidential portrait, which I implore our listeners to do, if just Google past presidential portraits, especially Bill Clinton's, look at that one, uh, certainly the Bushes, um, they're kind of hilarious. And so... When you look at these, it's just like, wow, you know, we, I think we're, I don't know, maybe going through a whole thing right now with, with fine art where we, where we're going through a period where people are just becoming so much more exposed. And, uh, I think it's great. Yeah. And I, I think people who have a problem with the portraits are just hell bent on applying their personal aesthetic to what they think is uh-huh. going to make these portraits good or not. Right. And that's just the best thing I ever did in my life was to stop saying, I'm not going to like something unless it looks like my goal as an artist. Right. You know, it, it's like, it, as soon as I just let that go and you know, in the past I would have looked at, I would have said a lot of things people are saying about the Wiley piece. And I would have said, uh, it looks like Photoshop, you know, it, it looks like this, it looks like that, you know, and, and it would just be like, now I'm like, if someone says it looks like Photoshop and I, I just go, and mm-hmm. tell me how that really matters. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it needs to look like brushstrokes that are, you know, masterfully blended. You know, it's like, no, it doesn't. Right. <laughs> you know, there's a million of those paintings. There's a billion of them. And I, yes, I want that kind of work to have validity in the fine art world, but it doesn't have to be for this particular portrait. This is what they wanted. This fits them. This shakes up the world, as you said. You know, I've never seen he blew blew Trump off my page. That was great. <laughs> you know? So if you think if, if you get impeached, do you still get to get a portrait? I'm just wondering. <laughs> um, he'll find somebody to pay for it. Oh yeah, I've seen the one. <laughs> There's a real famous picture of him. He's like on the tennis court, and like it looks like one of those. It looks like you know a comic book, uh, like old yeah. Hanna-Barbera kind of. Uh, yeah. I, I posted one that some cheesy illustrator did for him of where he's standing on a tank looking slim and svelte. Oh, with yeah. A, with, an AK, with an AK-47 at his side. and It'll be and, that, and, you know, pretty much. Big flags everywhere and eagles screaming, you know. Right. Yeah. It's like we came so far and now this. But anywho, uh, <laughs> it's been an interesting week for that and it's you're right you know it, it did get some of this terrible news especially what's happened in the latter part of the week kind of off the page a little bit and it's it's just been a great discussion and i do think that's what art should be is it, it needs to speak of the times 
it needs to have a strong point of view and it needs to be some sort of conversation starter where when you look back at it now, I know when we look back at those paintings a hundred years from now, uh, especially young people of color, they will, um, it, it's going to mean so much. It already has. So, um, for me, I, I was just, I was kind of overwhelmed by them. It was like such a breath of fresh air. Um, it missed all this crap that's been going on. So well, dude, I'm glad I, I'm glad I evolved far enough to appreciate it. Yeah. It one of those guys. And when it wasn't one of those people saying, get off my lawn. You know, yeah. John yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah. That feels good. Um, we all love John Singer Sargent and, um, but yeah, it does feel good. And, and of course, yeah, I, you know, you have to have the open mind. Um, yeah. It has to have cultural context because that's pretty much the main focus of art now. And, and you, right. you can't just say, I'm dismissing that. All I want is just technique. Now, if both those painters had, had great painting chops on the level of, John Singer Sargent, but still presented themselves similarly to how they did, that works for me too. Mm -hmm. You know, but one isn't more important than the other. It's just sort of the whole package of the artist person and what they do. Well, what I kept, and how, and how, how it either works with the subject or not, you know, I just kept reading comments. Yeah, exactly. I just kept reading comments on the appropriateness level which I also felt to be a bit racist. I fucking hate that. I hate that criticism because it harkens back to exactly what they've always done. All the criticism was always based on what, Oh, he wore a tan suit, you know, any Mm -hmm. fucking thing that they could come Mm -hmm. up with to beat the guy up. That was so superficial, right? He's not American. He's not, he wasn't born here. Basically you're not allowed. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even, I'm all for critique criticizing the guy, but not about that stuff. Criticize him that maybe he could have done a little more to stop war. Maybe he could have done a little bit more to, he he deported a lot of people too, you know, you know, so he he can be overly defended, but look at the real, the real important things, not, you know, some gesture he made or how he phrased something, latch onto it, scream about it on Fox news. We live in such a ridiculous time. Yeah, the appropriateness comment just made me feel like like a, like a golf course etiquette. Like you know, thirty forty years ago, that you know, him and Michelle wouldn't even been allowed in that at that golf course. So that, it just had that sort of sentiment to me. Like you know, how, when you hear how, dare, how dare you say it's not appropriate? You know, yeah, and put a tie on or something like that, or or her you dress. Didn't dress you, didn't, you didn't dress well enough for this funeral. You know, it's like just shut up. Yeah, you know. Well, man, we got a show coming up. Um, I've been busy. I'm sure you have been. Uh, Danny McCaw, yourself, and and me. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Sue asked me to be in it just a couple of months ago. So I was like, all right, yes. I, I never said no. But I'm thrilled because yeah. I love being um, in the same world as, as you guys. And um, I think we all have pretty fresh takes on the contemporary landscape danny a little bit more figurative but um you know it should be fun um how's the work been going how much you've been working <laughs> how many pieces what's going on everything done everything framed um basically my my bare minimum is been done 
Okay. And it is done. Um, and everything is in the frame and um, ready to go. And I have two more pieces that I'm doing that will be kind of a backup piece if yeah. there's enough room left on the wall. But I don't think there will be because I've worked pretty big with the other pieces. Oh, so good. I only have seven paintings, but some of them are pretty big. Oh, so. good. Good. I um, want to see the big ones. That's yeah. exciting. Uh, so, but there may there may be nine. We'll see how much room there is. Well, I. How can, about you? Well, yeah. No, I have. Um, I just emailed them this morning with with eight. So we're we're in the same boat, yeah. pretty much. Um, some uh, some different subject matter and some just kind of moodier, um, bigger pieces as well. So. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, I've never, I haven't talked to Danny, but I'm, I'm really excited to see his new work too. Yeah, I really like his work a lot. All, all the brothers are good. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's like, uh, it's yeah. so incredible to me that they all do that. I'll have to have them on. Well, man, it was great just catching up with you, and I think it's a great primer for for our show. And and um, and I can't wait to see you down there, March. First, right? Is that the date? Is that the opening day? Um, down at Sue Greenwood. That's three thirty North Pacific Coast Highway. The show runs for I think six, five to six weeks through mid April, so it'll give you plenty of time to go down there. Uh, Danny McCaw, William Ray, and yeah, and it, it's myself. usually it's usually on the Art Walk night too. So yeah, first Thursday you, six to you nine. Can see a whole bunch of fresh art if you decide to go there. Yeah, if you guys want to drive out of LA or wherever you are and and come down there, um, we will be there. Um, so I conclude all of my I Hate L.A. podcasts with, and we didn't talk much about L.A., but that was, we talked about art, which is really the crux of this podcast regardless. So I'm happy about that. But I conclude my podcast by asking my guests, what is your ideal day in L.A.? Any thoughts? A day with no traffic. Right. So that's like Chris, What is that's like Christmas usually? Like or the day after sometimes? Uh, it's like, it's like no day anymore. So it's, it's pretty much just so amazing when you're driving and you all of a sudden you realize I haven't been through traffic and I'm all, I'm all the way where I went supposed to go. Yeah. That's like the ultimate winning. You, you, it took you 10 minutes to actually drive 10 miles. You can believe like 15 miles. It's like that happens yeah, occasionally when the, when, the, when the freeways work, that's my beautiful day in LA. I love it. So I'll leave it there. Well, that was episode six of I Hate LA with William Ray. You guys, thanks so much for checking out this podcast and helping make it grow. Be sure to like and subscribe and comment in iTunes. I really want to hear from you. So if you want to hear from me, go to scottyeskel.com and you can email me from my website there. And I just appreciate you guys listening so much. Thanks. I want-